Hi, this is Aaron Orlando reporting for uh, rebelstokemountaineer.com. It's February 12th, 2022, and I'm standing in the truck stop just west of the highway bridge uh, over the Columbia River in Revelstoke. It's in the afternoon, there's some clouds uh, forming over Mount Begbie, the sun's going down in the west, and I I'm just doing a little bit of an intro after meeting up with some people, protesting uh, various things related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, today, it was about a, a total of about 35 people uh, maximum uh, from when I was here for a few hours, uh, sometimes less than that, standing on uh, the side of the highway in the eastbound lane. Uh, just west of the bridge, uh, holding freedom signs, waving Canadian flags, and with a bunch of other signs related to vaccine mandates and other things related to COVID. You can hear in the background there some honking and uh, some screaming as uh, the trucks go by. There's been quite a lot of that today um, as I've been standing around doing some audio reporting, uh, interviewing uh, the people uh, who are here at the protests to find out a little bit more about what their thoughts are, why they're out here, and uh, basically what their message is. I did a, a format uh, uh, interviewing four people, uh, and what I wanted to do is, uh, I told them ahead of time we'd be doing about five minutes, uh, let them uh, say their side of the story, uh, everything they want to do. Uh, not editing it because uh, oftentimes there's quite a bit of uh, mistrust in the media for pe of the media for people who um, have various uh, uh, protests uh, against uh, current measures. So um, um, what I did is was was pretty clear to everyone about the format. We're going to do about five minutes. Um, I first uh, approached the crowd around one o'clock, uh, asked who uh, the leader was, and uh, a fellow named Sean uh, was identified. So he's the first person I interviewed. Uh, I interviewed three others. Uh, um, the second person sort of voluntarily asked to it. Uh, I also asked Sean if anyone else was interested, so he sort of canvassed the crowd. Um, a lot of people weren't, didn't want to talk, um, but I did manage to get a couple other people um, uh, after a little brief announcement in front of the crowd, telling people what I was doing and uh, who I was reporting for and sort of the format of my interview. So anyway, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you uh, find uh, the interviews that I do today informative. Uh, find out a little bit more uh, about some of the views that people have here in Revelstoke uh, and give voice to those views and uh, also as I think is critically important in uh, journalism is to not so much uh, you know the importance necessarily isn't to the answer to the question but it could be so many more things. One thing I definitely want to uh, mention before you listen in is uh, you know in a two-minute answer with a member of the public um, um, people can say all kinds of things uh, uh, related to their beliefs in the facts and science. Uh, I'm not endorsing anything that anyone, anyone said, um, just uh, more to the sense uh, allowing them to have an opportunity to have their views uh, heard. So unlike, uh, for example, an interview with a politician uh, where you'd you know, triple fact check something, this is a bit more free form. But I think it's uh, worthwhile to uh, hear what people have to say. 
So uh, here we go with our four interviews and uh, hope you learned something. Thanks. The first person I interviewed was Sean Sanders. Uh, when I first showed up, I asked people like who's organizing, who's leading, and they identified Sean. Sean came over. I asked him if I could do an interview. He said yes. Uh, so have a listen to what uh, Sean had to say. Uh, I know Sean a little bit, uh, not personally. It's the first time I uh, actually asked him his name, but he lives a couple blocks from me. Uh, often see him uh, in the mornings when I'm uh, going out for a run, running past his house. Uh, Maybe shoveling snow in the winter time or mowing the lawn in the summer. So hi, what's your name? Sean Sanders. Sean, uh, why are you out here protesting today? We're out here protesting today to support the convoy that traveled to Ottawa. And I think the main reason for the support of this convoy would be government overreach and the constitutional crisis that I believe Canada's facing, according to a, um, Peckford. Brian Peckford was the Prime Minister of... Newfoundland from 79 to 89 and the last living member of author of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms and signed into law in 82 and he is speaking out adamantly about the lack of the constitutional crisis Canada faces due to the fact that there's been no parliamentary debate at all in regards to the government's decisions on how to move forward with COVID. Has there been no government debate about how to respond to COVID? No, there's been no, according to Brian Peckford, there's been zero government debate at all. All decisions being handed down from the Prime Minister's office. He says that might be maybe acceptable in an emergency situation, 60, 90 days when you put together the parliamentary committees and then call in the specialists, the doctors and the scientists, opposition voices are heard, and then the parliament debates. That has not happened at all in regards to COVID. So, uh, you know, the key part of the, the charter, uh, the key two words that we always get to in these kinds of things is in section one, and that's freedoms, and the two words are within reasonable limits, you know. So you feel that uh, the current uh, uh, rules here in BC, as well as Canadian rules, uh, what, what is your, what is your sort, of, sort of thoughts on them? Uh, Brian Peckford deals with number one in the charter, and yes, you're correct, there is situations where they can override, but they have to demonstrate, demonstrate which they have. And there's actually, Peckford said there's three things when we wrote, the four things when the charter was written. So if they were going to enact number one in the charter, they had to meet these four issues to justify doing what the government's doing. And he says they've not met one of those four at all. What, what do you say to, for example, the federal government or other politicians who argue conversely that uh, this is within reasonable limits and that they just have a, a different, different opinion uh, than Mr. Peckford? Well, I guess you would have to, I can't paraphrase Mr. Peckford and his concerns. I mean, he is a professional, I would say, in this. And he says, I mean, you have to watch Brian Peckford, but he says that they have not met any four of the one criteria to use the number one clause in the charter. Yeah, and I have to mind myself, I, I haven't heard what Brian Peckford has to say on this, uh, so I, I'm not really familiar, but uh, I'm taking your word for it at this minute. Yeah. So um, in terms of the protest today, what do you hope it will uh, accomplish? What, what are your goals here? What would you like to see? I think if by protesting this, it's a reminder to other Canadian citizens that are driving by on the road that there is opposition to what's going on and there is support across the country for what's happening in Ottawa. 
in regards to the convoy, bringing attention to these issues. I mean, the other one I would like to talk about, Brian Peckford, is if you were to watch his interviews, especially with Jordan Peterson, he discusses, you know, Jordan Peterson asked him, why, do you, why are you doing, he's filed a lawsuit against the federal government, Brian Peckford, and he was announcing that on a podcast with Jordan Peterson, and Peterson asked him, why are you doing this through me, not through the legacy media? He says the legacy media won't talk to him, they won't even reply to his emails in regards. And this is another huge issue we have, is massive censorship in our legacy media um, not covering doctors and only covering one side of the story. We have multiple doctors across Canada that have lost their jobs because they broke rank and used ivermectin or other treatments for patients, highly successful when they did it. Dr. Nagasi in Saskatchewan is one. He's highly critical of what's going on. Uh, Dr. Hodgkinson's and others, many doctors, but they don't get their voice heard on any of the legacy media. And like Brian Peckford said, they will not even answer an email to him. Considering who he is, the legacy media should be interviewing him and letting him say his piece so us Canadian citizens can have a balanced, informed, you know, information on all sides of the story. Mm -hmm. But that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the main reasons I'm out here, is it's the censorship in the media and to bring attention to people like Brian Peckford and what these people are saying in regards to what's taking, presently taking place in Canada. I guess I'd ask you, Sean, though, uh, focusing in on the topic of uh, Invermectin, um, what, you know, within the medical community, uh, there's, you know, uh, for example, with COVID, they would consider lots of different uh, treatments or uh, various methods. What would you say to uh, physicians and doctors who say, no, it's not effective, uh, no, uh, it's, it's not uh, something we want to use, or it's not the right intervention, uh, wh what would you say to them? Well, I would have to reference them to, again, scientists and doctors that are saying the opposite, and being that I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but there's numerous scientists and doctors that claim that's false. There's numerous studies across the globe that show it highly effective. There's many countries, Japan has used it. One of the largest states in India used it and brought their case rates way down. Um, so I don't know, again, we need a balanced, informed decision, but we have to hear all sides. And it's many doctors and scientists and scientific studies that are saying ivermectin and hydrochloroquine are highly successful at treating COVID. But you don't see that on our legacy media. You only hear the one side of the story. But what would you say to, to me, for example, so uh, uh, Invermectin or other medications, um, you know, I've seen these covered in, you know, the question of those specific ones in mainstream media sources, uh, talking about that issue and whatnot. And um, what would you say to people, you know, again, sort of the same question, who say, maybe that's not the solution and the thing... Uh, preventing people from uh, getting to that is not media censorship but in or preventing people from using that or, or causing doctors physicians not to choose that particular intervention is you know again they they don't think it's an effective or, or the right thing and you know I just want to touch on that point like you know uh, I think it's hard to say that hasn't been covered at all uh, you know those those two particular uh, medications in fact the US president uh, was involved in you know uh, promoting one of them so you know and that was widely reported in the states and Canada so is it that media censorship or or do you feel it might be something else that causes physicians to prevent or not choose not to or decide not to use that well I, I think it's it's there's censorship within the media and there's censorship within the medical community 
Dr. Nagasi in Saskatchewan treated three elderly patients hospitalized with COVID. One was 91 years old and they all left the hospital in totally fine shape and he was fired from the hospital for doing such. So when you... Yeah, no, Dr. Nagasi would be a perfect example. He used ivermectin even though he was not allowed to and he was fired from the hospital for doing it. Now, all three patients left the hospital in fine shape, including a woman that was 91 years old. So I don't understand how he's not allowed to practice medicine. And ultimately, I believe the law says it's the doctor's final decision on how he treats his patients. But the whole thing of ivermectin, yes, Trump talked about hydrochloroquine. Then it was politicized in the media. There's too much politicizing of all this in the media. If you're out here doing what we're doing, protesting, supporting, you are all of a sudden now a Trump supporter or, you know, extreme right wing. It's not, a, we, we shouldn't politicize. A medical issue isn't about left or right at all. It's about right and wrong, really. All right, Sean, um, I do appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk to me about uh, why you're out here today. Thank you very much. All right, you're welcome. Thank you, Aaron. The second person I interviewed was uh, Renee Shaw. Um, after I talked to Sean, I came back to the group, uh, and uh, Renee uh, volunteered right away. Um, she was uh, uh, wearing some uh, iridescent uh, wings, uh, dancing around on the side of the road, uh, pretty, pretty into it, and she also was pretty into... Um, sharing her views, letting us know some, uh, some of her thoughts, as well as um, um, answering some questions. So let's listen to what uh, Renee had to say. All right, so hi, what's your name? Rennie Shaw. All right, and Rennie, why are you out here protesting today? My grandparents escaped Nazi-occupied Germany for a reason. What they witnessed there, we're going through here, but it's a different kind of war. And people don't seem to realize that if you think of the Matrix movies, the Matrix movie has opened up in time right for us for right now. And if we don't stand up and take back our company, our country, I mean, from our overreaching tyrannical government, heaven help us all because where it's going is very dark. You know, and I'm, I'm here to... My grandparents, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. And I have a huge family, and none of them are out here standing up for what's truly, truly happening here. And if more people don't realize that, their freedoms are really and truly being taken away. Like I said, what's happening to our country is so dark and so critical. And right now, we absolutely must bring to attention, to everybody's attention, that it's never been about our health. It's always been political. People don't realize that all Trudeau has is a minority government. And look what he's doing to us. It's so unfair the segregation that he's caused. It's so unfair the division that he's caused. It's so unfair that he's saying this is all blaming on healthy people. It's not us healthy people that's doing it. It's him. He's a nut bar. And honestly, how can any sane human being say those horrible, nasty things and think it's okay? It's not okay. That man is not a true Canadian. And as far as I'm concerned, he is a waste of Canadian space. Are you more concerned about the policies uh, that he's put in place or the things that he's saying? Which one of those, uh, do they both make you upset or is one oh, more upsetting than the other? All of it. The lies that he's saying and these horrific overreaching policies. If this would have been dealt with like a flu, like we always have in the past, and if you wanted to take <clears throat> these vaccines, that's up to you. But no politician has any right to ever coerce or force, or manipulate, or bribe, or traumatize 
any human being into taking something they don't want. The sheer fact that they've taken away our freedom of speech, they're taking away our right to gather, they've taken away... Uh, Pastors have been jailed for Pete's sake, and this is in Canada. This isn't a free country. They've taken away our right to go to church. They've taken away the right for preachers to stand up and preach the word of God. Unbelievable. And this is in Canada. We're not a free country. We're an occupied country, and this is why I'm out here. People have to come to the realization this is our time, and we are the people, and we can make it right. Uh in your response, there's quite a bit of focus on the federal government. Um, uh, what do you say to people who note that uh, the pandemic response, uh, various mandates, uh, various rules and whatnot are, uh, in fact, provincial jurisdiction? Huh. Those provincial people, them too, as far as I'm concerned, they've all been paid off. They're all blatantly lying to all of us. Every single one of them knows that they don't have to do this. They don't have to listen to Trudeau, but yet they are. It's just like, how much money are you guys being paid? We all know that they've built us of billions of dollars. But honestly, now you're taking our taxpayers' dollars and using it against us? Shame on all of them. They all have the right to say no, and they're all doing their damnedest to control all of us, and we all know it, and that's why we're here. Shame on them. In terms of your concerns about overreach uh, or coercion, uh, how do you respond to a common uh, response that, um, for example, vaccines aren't mandatory? You, you could, uh, for example, be prohibited from a workplace or uh, have other, uh, other interventions like, you know, not being able to go into a restaurant. But how do you respond to people saying that that's... Uh, a reasonable uh, step to prevent a pan uh, to bring a bring a slowdown or a stop a pandemic that's putting people in the hospital, killing people, and making people sick. <laughs> Do you believe that it's making people sick? Uh, the people I've uh, in all the people like I've know many many people, and I've asked around. Who do you know that? The CV-19 has directly killed, and I don't know of anybody. The people that I know have, who've come in sick with it is because they've already got underlying health problems. Just like in the past, when the normal flu has killed, the main amount of people are the elderly and people who are already sick. And this is what CV-19 is also doing. And like the thing of it all is CTV goes on there and they show that these people are in the ICU. But you know what? CTV has already come forward and said, hey, you know what? We've used dummies in our ICU scenes to create the scare factor and keep it going. It's just so nuts what they're doing and it's so unfair. It's right now this Omicron has reduced it down to just a regular flu. Come on, people. It's regular cold and flu season. Don't be afraid of it. Get your antibodies up and get over with it. What about people who, who do know people who have been somewhat sick, mildly sick, or severely sick and, and have ongoing symptoms, and in fact, people who have, have died from it? Um, what, would you, what would you say to the friends or family of those people who would answer what you said with that response? Well, if you believe in taking this vaccine, that's entirely up to you. Like, if you think that this is going to make you well, that's up to you. I come from a time when, so when I was a kid, a vaccine was actually clinically trialed for 10 years so that they knew the risks, they knew the side effects, and they knew the long-term effects. And so far, no one 
absolutely no one has come forward with this, these new injections saying these are the risks, these are the side effects, and these are the long-term effects because it's so brand new. They're still working on us. Human trials aren't supposed to be done until May of 2023. How many more injections can your body take of this stuff? Honestly, people, think about it. Please ask for informed consent because coercion is not informed consent. It isn't. However, you're not required to take uh, a vaccine. Uh, you don't have to take it. Uh, is, is the, what is the coercion specifically that you're talking about? For all those people in their, in their jobs where if you don't get this, you lose your job. I've had friends lose their jobs and I've had friends whose, whose unions wouldn't back them up for freedom of choice. That to me doesn't sound like a free country. You know, like if you really think you need this, go ahead, knock yourself out. But for those of us who firmly and truly believe in freedom of choice and our political uh, people are taking that away from us, no, that's not a free Canada. No, 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 you go ahead. But honestly, people, think about it. Please ask for informed consent. If you truly believe in this, please ask for informed consent. That's what we're all asking. Just ask for informed consent, please. Okay. And I just wanted to ask one last question. Um, um, you know, you posited that there is no information available on uh, the vaccine. Um, uh, you know, it's relative dangers, those kinds of things. Sorry if I'm paraphrasing you, I'll let you clarify in the response to that. But um, what do you say to the fact that, in fact, there is? There's, there's mounds and heaps of data uh, on ongoing on its effectiveness, its uh, uh, how it works, uh, its relative risks, its risk compared to other things. And that, you know, science work is, in fact, ongoing. Oh, science is always ongoing, but there's also science to show what's in this stuff and it's so not good for humans and you're not getting that. Did you know for all of 2020, when the injections weren't rolled out, there wasn't a single variant? Think about that. And then when they start bringing out new variants, what happens to the old one? You never hear what happened to the previous variant when new ones come out. Like this is such a farce. We're so tired with the government overreach. We just simply want them to come out and be truthful. And yeah, you know what? The, uh, there's evidence against uh, this stuff working. That's fine. But honestly, people, in the long run, you really don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. You don't. You don't. Okay. One last question. Sorry, I, uh, sorry to string you along there with one more. What would the government have to say, and this is in response to what you said, for you to um, agree and believe that they are being truthful? Oh man, first of all, they have to come forward and tell about how many people have had horrendous side effects. Tell how many uh, women have lost their babies because these mothers believe that these injections were safe and effective. And these women have aborted their children well before time. What about them? And, and what about all the people who, whose have, relatives have died? How come the mainstream media doesn't bring them on and, and interview them? And how come they don't bring on the people who have had side effects and interview them? How come they don't bring these people on? And how come mainstream media, you never ever hear them say, here's our, here's our scientific evidence and here's the website that you can read about it because they haven't done that yet. Nor in this whole time have they ever come out and said, hey, this is what you need to do to be healthy. Instead of just fear-mongering us into believing it's this one thing because it isn't. However, I've seen lots of reporting, for example, that weighs the relative risks, uh, the relative risk of getting sick without being vaccinated with one dose, two dose, three doses, uh, the various changes uh, over, you know, the various um, uh, 
variance uh, of, uh, of the variance uh, and the relative effectiveness put side by side. In fact, in BC, the Ministry of Health does that. They say, you know, this is your risk if you're at this age group, if you're unvaccinated or if you're vaccinated. And, um, you know, to boil it down, a lot of people say, well, this is, you know, if I weigh these two options, in fact, getting vaccinated is is better for my health and other people's health in terms of risk of side effects, uh, risk of, uh, you know, long-term uh, uh, COVID, uh, risk of death. Uh, like I said, regular vaccines that have gone through the 10-year clinical trial, so they find out what the side effects are and what the long-term effects, yeah, I'm okay with that. But this here stuff is so brand new. And if honestly, like I said, if you honestly believe that you need this, that's fine. But please, people, please ask right there. Ask for informed consent. Ask to see what the side effects are. Ask to see what the long-term effects are. Because sure, right now you're taking it and you feel fine, but honestly, what's it really doing inside your body? In five years from now, if you come out with some kind of weird side effect, are you gonna know that it came from this or where do you think it's gonna come from? And all we ask is, you, you, you firmly believe you need this, then go take it, but we're standing up for freedom of choice because it's being taken away from us. All of our freedoms of choice, it's for everybody, every single Canadian. It's being taken away from all of us. And we're standing here for all of us. Like I said, my grandparents escaped, occupied Germany for a reason, and that was come to a free country called Canada. Hey, just a quick editing note. Uh, I ran out of storage on my memory card uh, right near the end of the interview uh, with Rennie there. Uh, so I cut off about a minute or so. Uh, apologies for that. Next up on the interview was uh, Michael Ferreira. Um, I had a little bit more difficulty getting people to, uh, to talk to me after the first uh, two interviews, just because a lot of people weren't interested in using their names, uh, or and that was one of the requirements I had. You know, if you're going to do the interview, you've got to use your first and last name, um, and you know, maybe for other reason, who knows? So, let's. Um, Michael said he's uh, pretty new to town, originally from Ontario, but been kicking around BC for a bit. Uh, let's have a listen to what uh, Michael's perspective is. So, hi, what's your name? Michael Ferreira and uh, why are you out here processing today Michael? Uh, I like to call it gathering. It's a peaceful gathering. I'm here barbecuing, making some food for the people who showed up and the reason that I'm here is just to support the truckers, the convoy, support freedom for Canadians and for people around the world. I believe that what the truckers are doing is showing the world that we can get together peacefully and put the, the governments in place. I believe that some of the mandates that they put into place are out of line. And I believe that gathering like this, we're helping to put them back in line. Showing them that the people, they're working for the people. They're not dictating for the people. So that's why I'm here supporting freedom, being able to move around Canada freely and yeah, just freedom of choice as well. Uh, specifically, uh, the mandates, which you, some of them you feel are over, have some overreach uh, and, you know, freedoms. Is there anything in particular that you're focused on? Um, yeah, I mean, the mandates for Apparently, I don't know if there's, this is the whole truth or not, but I've heard that 
Canada is the only country in the world that has mandated proof of vaccination for traveling within Canada and even to leave Canada. And there's... Uh, I don't know if you need proof of vaccination to go from province to province. Do you mean like, pro like if I drive over to Canmore to go driving. skiing? No, not driving yourself, but if you're using public transit on the planes and trains is what I understand. Again, I don't know if that's the whole truth, but that's what I've heard, that Canada's the only country that's implemented this. And I know people that have wanted to fly within Canada who weren't able to because of the, the proof of vaccination. We have friends in Quebec who are trying to get pregnant. She's not vaccinated. He is, but they won't travel because she can't, apparently. So yeah, that's that's the biggest one, the, the mobility for Canada. And there's a, there's a lawsuit going against the federal government for this overreach of the mandates. Brian Peckford is kind of leading the charge on that one. And if, if I could interject there, uh, one of the first people I interviewed mentioned Brian Peckford. Uh, 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 specifically, Mr. Peckford, why, why is uh, what he has to say your focus? What, what, what is he saying? Because I'm not that familiar with I, I, I generally am aware who he is, but why is he a, a focus? So he's, he's gathered some lawyers together and he's uh, suing the federal government for breach of the Charter of Rights. And he was the last living uh, signatory for that. So he was there when they were signing it. So he was he understands what that was all about and what the the intention behind it was and one of the biggest thing the main focus for him because he had to narrow it down what they're breaching is the freedom of mobility in canada so that's where i'm getting this that canada is the only one who's mandated proof of vaccination for moving around within the country and being able to leave canada you're that's one of our our rights on the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so. Yeah, um, and again, um, in terms of the actual regulations right now, I'm, I'm not aware of uh, exactly what they are. If when you get on a plane or um, a train, uh, although it would be nice to be able to get on a train in Revelstoke and take a passenger ride, but we're not. But anyways, I digress, you know, um, but to that point, you know, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, uh, Section one, you know, it, it talks about uh, freedom to do X, Y, and Z, and uh, the catch for uh, the, the clause where there is legal debate is the two words of uh, reasonable limits, you know, within reasonable limits. Yeah. So, um, and normally, um, if someone is going to make a challenge uh, for that, it's a legal thing. So, um, is that what you're trying to support here, that particular legal challenge? Uh I don't know if I'm in the position to support that legal challenge. I, my personal opinion is that the mandates are an overreach. I mean, to be limiting people from being able to travel around and to be able to access outdoor activities such as the, the ski hill here in Revelstoke, mm -hmm. asking for proof of vaccination when you're outside, mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot of things about it that I don't believe is necessary and I think it's overstepping the bounds and some of the some of the information that's coming out now regarding the vaccines and the 
efficiency of the vaccines and different things like that, is that people who are vaccinated are still able to get COVID, transmit COVID. So how are they any different from people who are unvaccinated? You know, one of the central players in um, mandates in British Columbia is the provincial government and the Ministry of Health. Uh, uh, and they frequently publish uh, data on, uh, you know, uh, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, you know, detailed statistics on, you know, how it affects, for example, people over 70 or, you know, at a high, much higher rate to have uh, severe illness or death for those kinds of stuff. Um, um, you know, and as well, you know, they administer the healthcare system here, which, uh, you know, with the latest Omicron wave has led to hospital closures, uh, rural hospital closures or, or whatnot. And, and as the uh, uh, CAO of Interior Health has said, you know, we're over capacity in our hospitals right now, for example, in Interior Health. And, and they say, you know, the reason for this is because, for example, like, you know, an acquaintance of mine, uh, surgery is getting cancelled. So therefore, we need this level of mandate right now to protect everyone. And that's, that's why, for example, the masking, etc. What do you say to their concern that, you know, what, what they're saying is like, look, we can't provide cancer surgeries. We've, you know, in December, they cancelled surgeries and we can't provide those to those people. How do you how do you balance the freedoms of, you know, for example, to travel with the freedom of another person who, you know, can't, uh, you know, have the surgery they need or get the care that they want? How would you sort of respond to that sort of general? And I think that's a fair summary of what the what the provincial ministry of health and health leadership is saying. How, how do you respond to that? Well, I guess my question would be, were the hospitals managed efficiently even before COVID? Because I know people that work in healthcare and hospitals were overrun, overwhelmed, staff overwhelmed as well. So I don't even think that there's any difference before compared to now. I know that they're using COVID as a means to try and lessen the impact on the hospitals but I can't speak to it that they weren't overrun and not properly managed previously. All right Michael um, I do appreciate your time talking to me thank you very much. Thank you Aaron appreciate it. My final uh, interview was with Sally Miller. Sally was listening in when I interviewed Renee, standing just uh, several feet away, and uh, definitely she thought uh, that Renee hit it out of the park uh, and uh, really wanted to uh, share her voice. She did express a little bit of trepidation about speaking out, uh, saying that uh, some of her family members weren't gonna be happy about it, uh, but uh, in the end, uh, uh, at the same time Michael agreed to do the interview, Renee also did, so uh, Renee is our uh, fourth and final interview. Hey, just a quick editing note. As you can tell, I kind of blew it there out in the field. I started out introducing Sally Miller and then mentioned Renee. In fact, uh, this next interview is with Sally Miller. Thanks. Hi, so uh, what's your name? Sally Miller. Sally, uh, thanks for talking to me. Um, why are you out here protesting today? I'm here because I heard the trucks in my backyard and it reminded me of the Freedom Rally. 
And I decided to come over because of what our Prime Minister said the other night. And that was when the opposition asked him in Parliament during their emergency meeting, what would it take for him to remove the mandates? And he said 100% vaccination rate. To me, I think to anybody, 100% means brand new babies. And that's not happening on my watch. So, so Sally, again, I'm not familiar with that, uh, the statement with the Prime Minister about lots of stuff uh, I don't uh, know for. So, but it sounds to me like your concern is about uh, uh, vaccinating children or babies. Is that correct? That's, that is absolutely one of my concerns. Uh, children have their own natural immunity. And there's so much data that's out there that's coming out even from Pfizer and Moderna saying that children... Actually, I believe it was Pfizer just stopped their studies on children under five, that they do not need this vaccination. Now, they've given it to other children, uh, children under 18, and they are not at risk. So this concerns me that this narrative that everybody, coming from our Prime Minister, 100% need to be vaccinated when there's no data, no data to prove that that's effective against this virus. That worries me because once you start vaccinating a young child, and we have to remember, this is not a vaccine. They've called it a vaccine, but it's actually gene therapy. It's experimental. There's no long-term data on it. How can there be? It's only been out for over a year. So in Canada, the first people who got vaccines were in March. Then they got their second one in July. And then they're getting their boosters in the fall and this winter. We have no long-term data. So why would we introduce this to children when they have their natural immunity? That protects them. And we know from the statistics that 99.3% of the population will not die from COVID. That, that statistic has never changed throughout this. They've allowed us I'm to... I'm not leave. sure if that's exactly uh, the number there, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah. I, I suggest you go and check these statistics that I'm saying because they have not changed. They like to lead with the fear that all of us can die, but the statistics prove out, and Bonnie Henry knows this, the feds know this, every province knows this, there are so many lawsuits that are in the works against all our public health officials, as well as our premiers and at the federal level. Those lawsuits are starting to come to the surface. And that's why possibly with, again, the, the truckers and the Freedom Rally, these people are starting to say, we can't do these mandates. I'm not just concerned about the one mandate, it's the travel one. That is absolutely against the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We have, it's not a privilege to move in our country, it is a right. And it's- But, but again, like when I was talking to Michael before, um, you know, if I want to go skiing in, in Alberta or, you know, go somewhere now, I can. You can drive, but you cannot take a plane. You cannot get on WestJet, you cannot get on Air Canada mm -hmm. to go from one province or from Vancouver to Kelowna, you cannot get on that plane. Okay, well, 
At the start, you, your focus was mostly on the, the children thing. Uh, can you agree with me that you know babies, vaccinating babies, like that was what you what you led with here? And and I want to I want to put some food for thought out there. You know, parents are very protective of their children. Uh, we agree on that. Absolutely, but this is not a this is not a vaccine. You okay, have okay, to understand okay. That. I just, just follow my thought here. Okay. Um, uh, Parents now can decide whether they want to get their children vaccinated or not uh, right now. So, and then the third thing is, um, what do you say to parents who say, well, that decision whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate should be my decision and, uh, you know, uh, not your decision? Oh, this, it's not, it's not coming from me. I just want to enlighten these parents to find out all the information. Get the facts. There's more to the story than what we're being told. There is data out there. Go to the Pfizer website to see what it says. Go to Moderna, see what it says. The product profiles are there for everyone to read. When you read their language, they say they're not safe for children. So, you know, and the other thing you talked about, parents can choose. A lot of parents feel the pressure that they want their children to go to the ski club. They want them to be in sports. They want them to go to birthday parties. And it's very unfair to put that pressure on parents for just to go along to get along. It's not fair. And that's what our government has done. And um, so I support literally all mandates have to come off. It's two years. The damage on the children, too much. On young people, too much. They've lost jobs. They've lost friendships. Um, this rally is about love and coming together and hopefully awakening some people because this mass formation psychosis has happened in Canada. And these truckers with their horns, maybe that's the spell. Maybe it's broken the spell, and that's why so many people are starting to question. And that's all I say to parents. Question. Question your doctor. Get them to tell you what's in the formulas. If they don't know, get them to find out. And you do your homework. But I think... But, but, but I wanted to put on that point. Is yeah. What about parents uh, who say they have done their homework? And, and their decision uh, was not impeded by lack of information or lack of data or lack of, you know, uh, for example, consulting with their physician about what's right for them. You know, as a parent, that's their choice. Um, I, I wish them well. Um, as a grandmother, my parents, my father, he was in World War II. I, I heard the other lady talking. He was a prisoner of war. Um, he was a prisoner of war two and a half years at Stalock Luft Three. You know the Great Escape Camp. That was my father was there with the Canadian um, Air Force. He fought to keep this country free without fascism. And I, it sounds like a crazy harsh word, but if the government can take away money for these kind of rallies. What else are they taking away from you? And you have to start figuring out where's your line in the sand. That's all I say to parents. Find out where your line in the sand is because maybe they'll ask you to do a second vaccine and then a booster for your children and they've got natural immunity.
but ultimately it is their choice. I'm just here to say, do your research. Don't just wait for someone to hand you the information. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you're the second person who, who noted World War II and Nazism as well, you know, and many of us have, you know, relatives and family uh, who were involved in that, like my grandfather, who was also in the RCAF, uh, among the first Canadians to take it to the Wehrmacht in uh, World War II, take the fight to them. Maybe, um, maybe however, however, I would say that, that um, you know, saying that that was that uh, we have that connection doesn't necessarily support uh, any any individual uh, argument we have on COVID or on anything. Uh, does that make sense to you? Again, it's all how we see the world. And um, I just know that they fought to keep this land free, which means democracy. And in a de democratic society, you're not told you're not forced to get a vaccine. It's really a vaccine for employment, nothing more. That's what's happened here. You're not told that you can't go into a restaurant. You're not told that you must wear a, a mask. I don't want to get into the mask debate because for many of these things throughout the evolution of this pandemic, yes, we've had to respond and we all have and we've all agreed to do the right thing. But now that we know where we are in this evolution, Omicron has told us that the chances of us really getting sick from it are not very high. So let's relax and let's get back to life. That's all I'm saying. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Hey there. Um, I was at the protest uh, from about uh, noon till just before four o'clock when it was scheduled to end. Crowd size was ranged from about uh, 15 to 35 people uh, at a maximum with people coming and going. Uh, just a footnote that we haven't really had uh, many uh, COVID-19 restrictions uh, related protests in Rebel Spoke. There's been a few small ones in Grizzly Plaza. People gathered a couple weeks ago uh, when the truck convoy came through. Um, but uh, that's about it. We haven't really experienced the disruptive protests that, uh, or large protests that have happened in other places in the Okanagan or in the region here. Um, they've all been peaceful, including this one. Uh, another thing I wanted to note is uh, some of the things that people said uh, included, uh, you know, baseless uh, misinformation. Uh, other people had opinions and, you know, opinions are always valid uh, about things, but uh, not the facts. Uh, the intent of this is not to uh, uh, parse through what is true or not or uh, what the numbers are or aren't, but uh, more to sort of provide a little context and background about uh, what people are feeling and thinking about the protest. Uh, thanks for listening along. Um, I just want to note, you know, as always with information, uh, try and seek out uh, trusted professionals, uh, people that you have trust in and uh, feel, uh, you know, they know uh, what they're talking about and have your uh, best interests in mind. Uh, my name is Aaron Orlando. I'm reporting for RebelStokeMountaineer.com, uh, RebelStokeMountaineer magazine. Uh, thanks for listening in.